Shane Twist and welcome back to Behind the Beef, a podcast that gives you a look behind the scenes and into the everyday activities of people behind the beef. Today, we are delving into the Angusai Benchmarking Program. The Angusai Benchmarking Program, or the ASBP, is a flagship research initiative from Angus Australia, supported by Meat and Livestock Australia and industry partners such as Vetquinol, Rangers Valley Feedlot and John D Abattoir. In today's episode, we'll be hearing from a number of people throughout the supply chain who are part of the wider influence of the Angusai Benchmarking Program. Kicking off the podcast today, I sat down with Christian Duff, Angus Australia's Strategic Projects Manager. Christian heads up the Angusai Benchmarking Program and gave us a little insight into what the program actually is and the benefits that it provides not only Angus Australia members and Angus producers, but the industry as a whole. I'd just like to make note before the interview starts that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this interview was actually conducted via video conference and at times has resulted in some poor sound quality. So I'd like to apologise in advance for that. However, regardless of that, I hope you enjoy the interview and gain a little bit of insight into the Angusai Benchmarking Program. So thank you for being part of the recording for this. Uh, Christian. You head up the ASI benchmarking program or the ASBP as it is commonly known. In layman's terms, what is the ASBP and how did it originate? Well, the ASBP is really a, a research and development program we run at Angus, which is our major program. And really, it is, it's about generating lots of calves from known size and recording those calves for everything we can think of from birth through the slaughter in the steers and birth through to their first calf in the heifers. Importantly, take a DNA sample as well, so we can utilise all that really rich information for you know, genetic evaluation, which is a major service for Angus Australia. So that's the that's the crux of it. How did it originate? Well, it started over 11 years ago, um, which is you know, a long-term program and shows you the importance of it. And it started um, initially off some encouragement through MLA, but also through the, the vision of our board and, and managers and CEO at the time to understanding we need to really get involved in this space of um, generating good quality data to make breeding decisions on a lot of what's already done by our members uh, who breed bulls and they've been collecting lots of great data for a long time. This is about really filling the gaps for those hard to measure traits, um, which we can talk more about. What is your involvement within the ASBP from an Angus Australia perspective? Yeah, well, the ASBP is under my area at Angus Australia, strategic projects. So strategic projects look after a range of things like the Northern Development Program, um, overseeing export certification with the member services team, a bunch of other collaborative research with CSIRO and, and other groups. And the ASBP fits underneath my area of management, so I'm um, in the end responsible for managing that because uh, it's a large investment for Angus Australia, so we have to make sure it's, it's managed correctly. But I do that with a... And, and, undertake the program with um, primarily Nick Butcher, who's the project officer who does most of the field work, who's all the, does all the grunt work, all the hard work in saying, I uh, just get to manage it and hire in most of the time. So um, that's where it fits in, in Angus Australia and underneath my management. What are the key objectives for the program? Well, there's three key objectives. Um, and it's interesting because the priority of these objectives have probably changed a bit over time. So when we first started, it was really about measuring progeny um, and getting a, um, information on progeny from knowing a size but hard to measure traits like direct avatar carcass data, grading information, marbling score, for example, feed, feed efficiency in the feedlot, um, female reproduction under natural breeding, 
areas like that were really the focus and, and, and it's achieving that. That was sort of the main focus in Objective 1. Objective 2 was using the information to validate um, our genetic evaluation, improving and being the breed plan or the taste evaluation. I'll talk more about that later on, but it's really being able to prove that technology works very well. So that's a, that's a good outcome. The third thing, which probably wasn't the most high priority at the time when we first started this 11 years ago, but it's definitely the, the highest priority now is to generate a genomics reference population. So we make sure we've got the animals' um, DNA collected and we've got all the performance attached to that. So that, that helps our genetic evaluation now and, and definitely in the future. From a producer level, how are members involved in the ASBP? Members um, are crucial to the ASBP because uh, we need to get bulls nominated to come into the program. So the bulls that come into the program, we put each year we put out a, a nomination um, process and people nominate their, their young bulls or old bulls. We probably mainly take young bulls in because they're the ones that people want to put through the system. And what we do then is we um, look at those bulls um, on their value to the program in regards to their genetic um, information, their, their breeding values and their diversity in regards to our, with the group from our consultant committee before they come in. So primarily our members get involved through the putting bulls in, which I've just explained. We're obviously utilising the information coming out of the program, which, which feeds into our genetic evaluation and, and new research. In terms of the benefits that the producers get from the program, what is the reasons that they would get involved? Yeah, look, the um, the reason people would nominate bulls or members and nominate bulls is because they want to um, have um, young bulls or bulls proven through the system, um, benchmarked against other bulls. That's why we call it the Engerside Benchmarking Program, so it's a good benchmarking process. But particularly get those bulls recorded for harvest your traits when they'll do themselves like for a direct abattoir data to see whether they have got value and therefore can be used more heavily to drive genetic progress in their herds, their clients' herds, and obviously overall in the industry. That's really the key thing. The other, the other really important reason now for having individual bulls from a herd in a program is if uh, you know, the genomic technology we're developing really works best the closer you are to what's the reference population. So, so if you've got animals that are highly related to it through, through pedigree and DNA, obviously, um, their DNA relationships, then they can get more out of it. What we generate from that research-wise is more accurate for their own system. I suppose the, if you look at that from the other aspect, if you had a totally closed-off Angus herd that didn't share any genetics with the reference population, if we develop something out of the reference population, a genomic tool or something, then you'd have to question, can, can we actually utilise it effectively for that other Angus herd out there, a totally, totally isolated? There's not many of those, if any, probably, because we use like share a lot of genetics in Angus, but... But um, the closer you are related as a herd to the reference, the better it is. And the way you can do that is either put bulls into the program or utilise bulls that have been in the program. Um, that's, that's really the key thing. What influence does the ASBP program have for producers around Australia in terms of across the supply chain? Well, the benefits, you know, it's obviously the benefits for breeding, but you know, up the supply chain, what the, what the real focus is, is making sure we produce genetics that are more commercially valuable as a supply chain. So um, we spend a lot of time in this program measuring data in the abattoir, for example, marbling score, retail beef field with collaborators like New South Wales DPI, um, uh, feed efficiency in the feedlot. So you could argue a lot of these things may not have a lot of in indirect effect on the profitability of a, of a breeder, you know, some, depending on how you sell your cattle, but some, some will in some way. Where that really affects it is up that end, up the, the further supply chain. So it's where we've got to make sure, and, and this comes down to um, being valuable for the industry, this, this reference, because it's not just for the Angus members breeding the bulls, it's actually for the whole supply chain about breeding more and more profitable 
Angus genetics, uh, they're using them, which in, in the end affects the product going all the way through to the consumer. That's the, the real key of it. That's why we spend a lot of time focusing on the E.D. quality attributes, MSA grading, uh, measuring a lot range of meat science stuff in labs on meat to make sure we understand the differences we see there. But all the time remembering that in the end, the breeding decisions gets done on farm and those farmers are also keeping replacement heifers in the herd as well as selling the steers. So we have to like, look at it all in, in context as well. Not just focus on one thing. How do our collaborators assist in the development of the ASBP? Uh, look, without collaborators, we wouldn't wouldn't happen full stop. It definitely wouldn't happen at the scale we do it. So first of all, our main our main collaborator is Meat Livestock Australia. We this project has been going for eleven years and it's been co-funded dollar for dollar all that time with MLA. So we've got to thank MLA for their putting uh, putting a lot of um, emphasis on the program through that particular pot of money. So that's great to have a lot of supply chain collaborators to make things work. For example, Vetquinol assists us with our reproductive programs and advice on a fixed time program. So without calves on the ground from these sides, which are all generated from AI programs, and we wouldn't go to make it work. Um, obviously, our collaborator cow herds are very important without Angus cows, and most of these joinings are done in commercial cow herds, large Angus cow herds. Without those, uh, it wouldn't happen. We need cows, and we need people that importantly can manage those cows for an AI program, but also collect data on the farm uh, which we obviously advise along the way so that's that's important and then we have a range of other collaborators you know, research collaborators for example so you have to make sure we we um, deal with a lot of research groups like CSIRO, New South Wales DPI, University of New England to best utilize all the data coming out of the program and that's obviously a it is a collaboration in regards to working together and uh, but it's also going to be mutually beneficial for us and also the research group obviously. Uh, when I say us, for our members. In regards to supply chain collaborators, I talked about you know, MLA and, and cooperator herds. Obviously, up the other end of the supply chain is important as well. We've got to sell these steers somewhere and we've got to also the data. So things like groups like Rangers Valley have been a strong supporter of the Angusai benchmarking program, continue to be um, on a smaller scale, but still important with their groups like Kerwee Feedlot um, have some cattle through and use their feed intake facilities. University of New England, through their Twimba feed intake system, and pretty much all the steers have been killed through John D Abattoir as well. So, you know, it's, it's a big undertaking for Abattoir to let individuals in. Um, we can't go into the moment because of COVID-19, but when we were allowed to go in the Abattoir um, to, to go in there and, and to collect all the things we needed to. So all, all those groups are key for us to, to collect all this information and, and for the benefit of the industry, really. Over the 11 year history, what are some of the biggest achievements of the ASBP? Oh, look, it's the, it doesn't seem like a very sexy thing, but it's a, it's, it's the, it's really the achievement is the building of the large reference population. So, so it's hard to, it's, hard, it's not a tangible thing, but it's a very important thing in regards to that big database information with genotypes and hard to measure phen uh, phenotypes attached. And I suppose an option for that is the research coming out of it, with having, having that. It's, it's first of all feeding into our genetic evaluation, which is a single step evaluation now for, for Angus cattle. So we're utilising the genomics reference, but also it allows us to develop new tools like you know, Heifer Select, for example, which which would have been difficult to do previously. Um, Heifer Select basically a um, tool for commercial Angus heifers where you can take a DNA test and get a giant breeding value prediction back on animals uh, for a range of traits available in that product. So. We've actually just got one for steers under development too, which um, we hopefully be able to do something about later this year or early 2021. So, you know, the, 
it's been a long time, but we're just really starting to see the, the benefits now. It does take you know, the size of the reference population is important, and we're really starting to get to that critical size to be able to do lots of these things going forward. So, so watch this space. In terms of the research aspect of that and the collaborative effort between you and the different collaborators that you have, what are some of the biggest research developments that you've had through the program in terms of, say, immune decks and that sort of side of things? And what are the current undertakings in terms of research that you're going through through the program? Yeah, look, you mentioned immune decks. That's one that um, when we first kicked off the program, we didn't think it was even a thing. <laughs> we didn't, didn't know it was a what it was, um, but luckily, because this has been really one of the, the spin-offs of this program, researchers know we've got this really good group of cattle coming through all the time that we know lots about, you know, the, the genetic background, we've got all the other traits, or most of the other traits they're interested in recording already. So if they can dovetail in and record new traits, then it's a really good resource for the future that we're researching. The immune competence area undertaken by Dr. Brad Hine in CSIRO to measure an animal's immune response at weaning, um, it's something we did for a couple of years back in Calvert's 2 and 3, which is right back early. It was actually before my time in Australia when Bob Dent was managing the program. So that's where it first started. And off that initial research, it's really interesting early results, which led us to come back in and then do lots more recording on Calvert 6, 7, and 8, and 9. And now, as of May last year, we released, uh, based on the reference group we had, reference population of the immune competence phenotype. We've released the immune index from research breeding value to industry. So... And we're just about to update that with a new silos as well, some more data from Calvert's 8 and 9, uh, which should be available in the middle of this year, all going to plan. So um, that's a good area and it's very new, and, but it's important because what, what that information is for is allowing us to better understand an animal's genetics for immune response and how its calves may react to an immune stress or a stress to the immune system, both in weaning, but also importantly through the feedlot feeding phase, effects of BRD, um, all those sorts of things. So it's really an edge area for, to be involved in it and it's great to be involved in it, but it's important. You know, it's, it's important just for animal welfare and also just for consumer acceptance of how, how animals, um, what we're doing about animals' welfare generally. And there's also genetic solutions to, um, as part of the solution to a lot of these areas like, uh, like disease. So, you know, that's, uh, I'm glad you pointed out the index because these are, one of the key things to come out of it and something we're progressing well. Um, I think I've already mentioned a range of other things like some of the genomic products being developed. In the end, you know, it probably comes back to also what's been the benefit, really allowing higher accuracy breeding values available and young Angus bulls to make breeding decisions on. In the end, that's that's really the, the major thing that we're involved in and having higher accuracy breeding values be our genomics reference. Um, it's pretty important, if not the most important thing we've got because in the end, um, genetic gain we produce for those in the industry and keeps everyone viable. And also, just on the side of that, a lot of the through the program harder to measure traits are also addressed and of that reference population as well. Where some of the harder to measure traits on farm, you guys are able to do through the program and give producers those root breeding values as well. Yeah, that's right. So. You know, a, a trait that we've recorded a lot of, we've probably got over 4,000 animal steers recorded now, and, and importantly, with, with genetic information attached to them, uh, for feed intake. So, you know, that's a high cost trait to do because you've got to put them through a test facility. It's been a bit of use of this technology over time um, in Angus, but pretty much all the recent data with genomic information attached to the feed intake phenotype 
is coming from our Angus Site Benchmarking Program feeding our reference population. So obviously feeding takes an important trait in regards to the obviously feeding your cattle, but also in regards to the, the efficient utilisation of feed sources, pins, reductions, all that sort of stuff that we're in the space of having to deal with. It's important we have the reference population going and, you know, it's understandable why a lot of people can't measure, well, most people, if not all people can't measure this on farm, a few individual feeding take facilities out there with bull breeders, but primarily not. We have to invest in this for the industry through these sort of programs. You've touched on it a couple of times, but I guess in summation of what we've just talked about, I guess how does the ASBP program contribute to the increasing rate of genetic improvement in Angus and Angus influence cattle? Yeah, well, what it does, first of all, is it allows... Um, size for certain traits to be identified may never be identified particularly when we start measuring direct carcass traits so for breeding programs with things like marbling is important this program really allows us because we're measuring the direct trait of marbling through the avatar allows us to find those animals and really spread the breeding values out select if you want to breed on it select the higher ones and you know, obviously that's a way through through selection differential if you want to use a scientific term allows you to to really um uh, make genetic gain through that, that process. I'm just picking on marbling, you could have picked any trait, like feed intake or, or heifer fertility, for example. It's also about getting information on younger bulls. So once we've got the reference population um, developed, you can use a genomic test on a young bull, and it's like he has progeny already recorded for some of the traits like carcass and some of the female traits. So getting earlier information on those young bulls to make decisions, another thing which is called generation uniform drives genetic progress. So using young animals, breeding decision in breeding programs so yeah they're, they're sort of the two main areas where which really will will has been and will be causing greater rates of genetic gain through this particular program in the end if we if we spent all this time doing this work and we didn't see rates of genetic gain increase then you'd probably question why what was the investment yeah, we're going to get new traits so you have to put that in the mix so new competence and hope type breeding needs and things like this We've, we've started working on. But in regards to our long-term recorded traits, we really want to see a kick up in rates of gain. I think we're just starting to see that now. Again, it's a big lag time between getting a reference population to a certain size that then feeds in. And we've also, when you think about it, we really only had the genomic enhanced genetic evaluation system, single step, available for the last 18 months, say. Uh, was the end of 2018 that was born, I think. So still early days, um, even though we did have some, some very early genetic information coming in, it still wasn't making use of the, the genetic reference population of Angus. So that's, I think, I think we're going to, we're really at the cusp of it. Um, and luckily we've now got the bulk of data there to help us really drive. If a Angus producer is listening now and isn't directly involved in the program and actually doesn't have a whole heap of previous interest in the program or invested interest into the program. What resources do we have available for them? And then how can they utilise those resources into their breeding operations? Sure. Well, in the end, for a producer, the best way to get involved is to, to use breeding values, like our, our taste breeding values driven out of breed planning, because that's going to be incorporating the vast majority of ASPP information to increase the accuracy of those breeding values. And you can do that through size selection. So you're selecting bulls that are coming out of the ASPP or related to bulls in the ASPP. Or you can use uh, you know, things like genomics to help describe information on your bulls, depending on if you're a seaside producer or a commercial producer, of course. It's really about 
having confidence in using those breeding bees and knowing it's been driven by a great set of data, both from our members who've been recording for a long time, but also through this uh, this this program, the solid benchmarking program. One thing I didn't mention probably in this, this talk so far is what one of the things that this is really showing is this breeding values work very well. Breeding values do a good job at describing differences in progeny. So one of the things we have got out of this using the ASPP data set is showing that breeding values work. And there's resources on your website. We're just updating those now actually to more to more recent cohorts of car there, the side benchmarking, to show that the breeding values work. You can find that on your website. I think it's inside benchmarking menu item under EBVs and no bulls, so keep an eye on that. But basically, if you, in a very simple context, just wanted to utilise information in the side benchmarking, you should just be using taste EBVs from Angus, um, and you will be getting that flow-on effect. That's obviously important if you're a commercial breeder. If you're a C-stock breeder, you can obviously think about putting balls into the program as well or nominating them, and that's a good way to get directly associated with it. Or you can just use some of the genetic tests coming out of it to help describe your cattle better, particularly at a younger age. There's all those things you can you can consider. From a commercial perspective, there are, I've already mentioned Heatherselect and, and we're looking at the steer product, could be utilised to help management and, and decision-making, like breeding decisions in heifers uh, in, in drafting steers, for example, for certain markets. So, so that, that's something that uh, we're doing more in that space and you should uh, have a look at that, those sort of technologies as well to see whether it's still with you if you're an Angus breeder. The final question is, what's next for the ASBP program? What's next is collecting more data. So um, the, the, the influence the ASBP reference population and overall Angus reference population, including our bull breeding members data has on the, on the breeding bees and the industry is the size of it. So one is we have to keep building it. So even though we're up to joining COVID-11 this year, so it's a 70-year operation, we'll be need to get much longer to keep building a reference. It's also important that you keep your reference population contemporary. So what that means is you're using animals that are relevant to today. So if, you're, if we stop today and then we want to breed cattle in 10 years' time and use the reference population produced today, it probably wouldn't work as well as we'd like because we're not using the contemporary genetics of the day. So that's why we have to keep it going and keep building it and have that data coming in. The other thing is add-on research. We're also interested to hear from anyone who might be able interested to do add-on research to look at new traits or develop existing traits. Happy to work with any organisation in that space to, to go further down that path. But with always the view, how's it going to benefit our members and if they're bull breeders flying into their to their commercial members, obviously, to, to help out their profitability and productivity. So that's where we're heading to, I reckon. But uh, it's a high-cost thing for investing. Um, to this point, we've been able to have co-funding with MIH. Great, and hopefully that continues, but there's no guarantees to any funding these days, so there shouldn't be. Um, so we're always thinking about how do we fund this reference population going forward, and, and that's something we talk about on a weekly basis at Angus Australia, because we want to see it going, because we know how important it is, uh, not just for our organisation, but for, for the cattle breeders in Australia. Um, so nominations are now open for cohort 11 of the program. How can people get more information about how they might want to nominate their next super sire? Sure, well, yep. Nominations are open uh, and until sort of early August, so we've got a bit of time to, to get them in. Um, we'll be looking to bring in another 30 to 40 bulls this year. So early nominations are preferred though, so get them in as you can, as soon as you're confident of what young bulls you want to put in. I should say you can nominate, but you always change at a later date. There's no not time you're in at any stage. So anyone who's got registered bulls who'd like to put them in, biggest bulls, then 
you can basically either jump on the website. There's a whole, I think it's up in your banner at the moment. You can click on there and read about it and, and, and put the nomination online. Or you can just get in touch with me um, at Christian at angusaustralia.com.au and let me know about your nomination and I can send you further information. So um, we encourage, encourage lots of nominations. We always like it when we get oversubscribed, which has happened in the last four or five K awards. Good debate about which pools we should bring in and which ones we can't. So um, looks like we should have over 2,000 cows again to join this year. So, yeah, we're in that 30 to 40 bulls we're looking to bring in um, at this stage from there. But uh, nominations would be great. And um, that's for today. Thanks for uh, giving us a bit of insight into the program, Christian. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm um, happy to share my thoughts on the ASBP because I know how it's an important program for uh, the industry and a lot of people. So that's good. on from what Christian and I discussed in our interview, we also caught up with a number of industry professionals who are involved in the Angusai benchmarking program. Through our chats with them, they let us know what the benefits they see from being involved in the program are and how they're involved in the program from a research perspective all the way through to an on-farm perspective. As touched on earlier in the interview with Christian, a number of major research developments have come out of the Angusai benchmarking program through work with major collaborators such as CSIRO. An important example of this is the Immune Dex research breeding value, which was brought up earlier by Christian. We caught up with Dr Brad Hine, research scientist at CSIRO, who gave a little bit more information about the Immune Dex breeding value, but also the importance of the Angusai benchmarking program to the ongoing research done by CSIRO. Okay, so today we were, we were talking about our work uh, looking at health traits in Angus cattle that we've, we've been doing for several years with Angus Australia and, and this works all about giving farmers tools to, to uh, allow them to place some selection emphasis on health when they're selecting bulls for their herds. So we present a little bit of information on the methods we use to, to measure the immune capacity of animals if you like and then some data on, on health outcomes we've seen in animals where we've applied the test and then followed them through feedlot finishing. And why is the Angusai benchmarking program important to the work that you guys do? So the benchmarking program is, is, is really critical to the work we do and it, it's a very valuable resource for, for research scientists like myself and that's for several reasons. One is the animals are, are really cutting edge um, where the industry is at at the moment and that's really important for us to be working with industry relevant animals. The benchmarking calves are, are very well phenotyped so it allows us to look at the things we we measure and how they uh, correlate with, with uh, lots of other measures that Angus are making on these animals. Um, the animals are genotyped, which is, which is really important if you're working towards you know genomic tests for, for particular traits of interest. So, Certainly we couldn't do the work we do without uh, the benchmarking uh, program, so yeah, have to say very valuable as a research resource. And can you just give us a brief overview of the Immune Dex research breeding value? So the breeding value, basically Immune Dex is a measure of an animal's immune capacity or the strength of their immune system if you like. And what we're hoping Immune Dex will do is provide information for producers that will help predict health outcomes for those animals. So Immune Dex is all about identifying those animals with a stronger immune system that will, will hopefully have a uh, improved general resistance to disease in our production environment. 
in order to give some insight into the Angus Sci Benchmarking Program and what it actually encompasses on a day-to-day -day level, we caught up with Roger Evans of Bovine Scanning Services, who at the time was doing induction for steers for Cohort 8 of the ASBP. Can you please tell us about your involvement with the program and how the information you collect is used? Yeah, well, the involvement that I have with the program is uh, as a real-time ultrasound uh, accredited technician. Uh, my role is to gather the information as the steers come into the feedlot for live carcass results for uh, P8 fat, rib fat, uh, eye muscle area and also intramuscular fat. We also do that at exit from Talimba after the 100 day trial uh, before they go to Rangers Valley. Uh, and we also do it for the half sisters to these steers uh, back on property so that we also get the information uh, from those heifers to increase the amount of data per side going into the program. That information is then utilised, uh, submitted to Bree Plan along with the carcass data to give us extra information in terms of the carcass traits of the size that are put into the cohorts and then from there we can have a better indication of what their genetic merit is uh, to the industry. We caught up with Lockie Wilson, Principal and Farm Manager of Murder Duke Angus. Lockie let us know why he has bulls involved in the Angus Side Benchmarking Program and the benefits that he sees through their involvement within the program. Uh, yeah, we're, we're big supporters and believers in the Angus Side Benchmarking. It provides critical linkage throughout the um, entire Angus population of Australia for, for our herd and then essentially our clients. And as time's going on, the validating all this genomic equations and etc. It's becoming more and more critical this data capture and particularly capturing um, data such as net in feed intake and things that are hard to capture at a farm, farm level. Probably as seed stock producers we're all pretty good at catching the simple data such as birth weight, 200 day weights, 400 day you know scannings and things but you know there's there's a limit to what we can do so that's where the sire benchmarking comes in and it's obviously a bigger population to compare against. Nick Moyle of Pathfinder Angus has had bulls involved in a number of cohorts of the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program. We caught up with Nick at their open day at the beginning of the year and he gave a little insight into why Pathfinder Angus nominate bulls within the program and the benefit that he sees for their breeding operations. He also gives insight into why he believes that the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program is important for the Angus breed. Tell us a bit about the operation here. Um, yeah, we run about 1,500 um, registered cattle. Uh, we have about 1,100 calving in autumn and about 400 calving in spring. Uh, we sell about 450 um, bulls a year and we sort of focus on, on trying to, you know, as much performance as we can get with the right phenotype package. Phenotype means as much to us as, as the performance. True. And so we're, we're pretty blessed here in terms of having three ASBP sires behind us. What do you see the value of the ASBP program being for members? Oh, I think it's, uh, I think it's probably the best thing that the Angus Society has done. It's, um, it creates a great genetic pool to draw on for validation of, of new traits. And you've got all that genomic information there that we can use further down the track that uh, should something arise that you need to select for. So it's a great library of genetics. Mandy Wales of Allura Angus is quite involved with the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program, not only through having bulls in the program, but also being part of the ASBP Consultative Committee. We caught up with Mandy to see why she believes that the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program holds value for producers, not only on farm, but across the industry as well. Tell us about your involvement in the Angus Sire Benchmarking Program. 
So Laura Angus has um, been involved in the Angus Sire benchmarking program. We've had half a dozen bulls over the last several years participate in the program. And for us, it's been an incredible opportunity to have the progeny of, of our, some of our bulls to be assessed and analysed on a huge range of, of different traits, including some of those harder to measure traits like net feed efficiency and also for the full evaluation of carcass data and for those progeny to be compared against some of the best in the breed in a whole range of different environments across Australia. So for us it's been brilliant in terms of being able to compare those progeny and obviously to also have animals in that reference population that's useful for that comparison through genomic technologies especially. What benefits does the ASBP provide to industry and how does it contribute to research and development across the industry? The Angus Eye Benchmarking Program is a very important program in terms of its contribution to industry. Uh, at one level it certainly created a, a really useful reference population that has highly accurate data that's benchmarked um, against progeny throughout their productive life. So the Angus Eye Benchmarking Program also, as well as providing that really useful reference population, has also been a key way to identify how some Australian genetics in particular um, are offering some of the, the best genetics out there and identifying some truly super sires that have been bred from a whole range of different herds across Australia. draws to a close the second episode of Behind the Beef. Thank you everybody for tuning in and I hope you gained some insight into the Angus Sire benchmarking program. To reiterate what Christian said in our earlier interview, if you have any questions about the Angus Sire benchmarking program, please get in contact with Christian at christian at angusaustralia.com.au or visit the Angus Australia website. The Sire benchmarking tab at the top of the homepage will give you all of the information that we have available regarding the Angus Sire benchmarking program. Also, if you haven't already listened to it, episode one of Behind the Beef focuses on Angus Youth and the Angus Youth National Roundup. So if you haven't already given that one a listen, I highly recommend that you do. Thank you again for tuning in and we look forward to chatting with you again in the next episode. Mm -hmm.